0: The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code SGP100 when creating your account for up to a $1,000 bonus in free play. That's promo code SGP100. If you need a reload, enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% reload bonus. Simple. You play, you win, you get paid. We're also brought to you by Odd Shark. Get free picks from the Super big and expert writing staff, as well as data-driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Follow them on Twitter at Oddshock and check them out online at www.oddshock.com. Finally, we're brought to you by BetQL. BetQL is the only mobile app that gives you the best chance to beat Vegas and now NFL lines are available on the app. The best PR is BetQL is free to download on your Apple or Android device. Head to BetQL.co to download the only app you need to make smarter bets. BetQL is brought to you by the makers of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. Again, that is the BetQL app and go to BetQL.co to download the only app you need to outsmart Vegas today. Today is Friday, October 12th, and welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. This week, a little bit differently, he got me riding solo. And so when I knew that we were going to have a little bit of a break from the upcoming or the handicapping series... For a different handicapper each and every week, again, Consensus Best Bets, cashing with Eric Olson on Northwestern, plus 10, and Florida, both of them coming in, um, Florida on the money line and the plus three, as we said, Consensus Best Bets, now four and one on the season four, the Inside Vegas podcast. So I thought to myself, what would be the best way to provide value to you guys uh, on a solo episode? Basically, I opened this up and I wanted to know what was your your most, uh, what was the questions that really stuck out to you that you guys wanted to know uh, from me or anyone really at the SGP Network? And I got a ton of great ones uh, via direct message, so I thought I'd make, open this up to a mailbag episode. And don't worry, we are going to. I'm going to give you one of my own personal consensus best bets because, frankly, uh, while we've been doing this show, I guess I really haven't. Um, I mean, the consensus best bets in, in are my are a bet that I agree with uh, with whatever handicapper is featured. But I guess I really haven't opened up kind of my philosophy when it comes to picking games or kind of my philosophy on the NCAA or NFL season. Um, so we're going to get to that at the end with the Inside Vegas Best Bet, um, but we have so many good questions here, um, so I really want to kind of break into them right away. Uh, and again, these are ones that came in via DM when I put this out there for basically what are the most burning questions that you guys wanted to know about uh, being a professional gambler, uh, anything to do with you know breaking into the industry, anything and everything, how to handicap games, how to get better, uh, whatever the case may be. Um, and I pulled a bunch of them. I believe there are eight or nine of them. Um, and again, and then we'll close with the consensus best bets. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. This is the Mailbag episode, and if, as always, please tune in next week where we have probably one of the, I would say, the hottest risers uh, in the gambling community, especially with the inception of social media, as Barry Horse will come on to join us and talk about the upcoming NCAA NFL slate and kind of all things uh, model handicapping to the next level. If you guys enjoyed the podcast with the White Whale, uh, you'll surely love this one uh, with Barry Horse. But this one, again, Mailbag episode as well as NFL week number six already as well as NCAA week seven. So I hope you guys enjoyed the Mailbag, mailbag episode. Of Inside Vegas. All right, so let's break into the mailbag. The first question received via dark message was What is the biggest thing people may not necessarily realize about being a professional gambler and what separates a professional from a novice uh, based on what I or you have seen? This one to me is something that I wrote about at length on SGP.com. I wrote an article probably basically when I came on to start. Um, doing the editor in and writing stuff uh, for SGP. It was one of the first pieces I wrote. Um, and so I think it's a good time to kind of put all this stuff in one place um, based on some of these questions. The number one thing I can tell you that separates a professional from a recreational better is it's two things, really. It's selectivity and it is unit size. And when I say that, again, we're going to break into this in a, in a, a different question up here when, it come, when we talk about the word unit and everything wrong with it recreational betters have no problems doing a couple of things. And every guest that I've had on, will will allude to this, the episode of inside Vegas that we did with Tom Drewell, um, talking about chasing and if a professional has a bad week, uh, and all their games are done at say, you know, one o'clock Vegas, Vegas time, four o'clock, uh, and they don't have anything upcoming on the late slate. They're going to take the loss, uh, and walk away recreational betters. Uh, they're going to chase that. <laughs> and, and that's the biggest thing is professionals realize this is a long game and recreational betters are kind of in it for maybe the get rich quick, you know, come in for a weekend, throw your darts. And if you're down after the early games, whatever the case may be, um, they're perfectly fine kind of doubling down. And so when you have the flexibility to kind of know that the NFL or NCAA, or even, you know, whatever the case may be, MLB, NBA, college basketball season, over the course of a season, uh, it's going to be profitable, um, and so that's the that's the biggest thing is that professionals are able to pick and choose their spots. And again, you've heard this come on with different uh, the different handicappers saying that basically the biggest advantage that handicappers have over oddsmakers is oddsmakers have to hang a line for everything; we don't have to bet everything. And so selectivity is so huge, whatever it is, whether your market is WNBA, whether it's UFC, whether it's NFL props. Um, so the biggest thing that I can tell you that separates that is it's selectivity uh, and being able to be able with walking away, knowing that this particular NFL Sunday, NCAA Saturday, whatever the case may be, UFC event uh, is a loss and not chasing down those losses. Um, and I know it's hard, uh, even if you're just looking to take your recreational level, you know, recreational betting to the next level. Uh, I know it's hard and, and things start looking better after a couple losses, uh, as weird as that sounds. Um, but that is the biggest one. And when I talk about unit size, um, this is a question that comes up later. Is basically, um, you've wrote at length about everything that's wrong with the word unit. Can you expand on that is, was kind of the next question. Um, again, I, I've talked about this, but when you talk about a unit, it, it, again... Um, tout handicappers or or handicappers out there a unit is monopoly money i want i want this to be very clear unit is a it's a way to measure how you do especially it's used for money line sports right so if you're betting baseball and you bet a minus 200 and it loses and you bet a even money play um you go one and one you're minus one unit assuming you're betting you know two to win one or betting whatever to win one that's what that means um and so you know when you see these five ten unit bombs uh whatever it is that you see out there these days it's a way to, you know, you can eliminate a lot of losses by putting out one, five, 10 unit play um, if you're six, seven units down. Um, and so when you talk about this, what it really means, a unit is 1% of your bankroll. And now nobody wants to hear that because if you're betting with a $10,000 bankroll, your unit is $100. If you're betting with a $5,000 bankroll, uh, your unit is technically, by the letter of the law, $50. Um, and so, you know, $2,500, 25 dollars and so people see that and realize they're not really going to make a whole lot of money betting $25 a game. Um, and so that's how you can kind of, you, you know, it's how you get in trouble, number one. It's how you bet above your head, number two. Uh, and it's how people, you know, when you bet $100 on a $1,000 bankroll, you make no mistake, you're risking 10 units. And so that's that's really what it is. But So so when, it's, when we talk about the difference between the two, so at you know, let's call a professional a thousand to, you know, a dime to a nickel better. That's a thousand dollars to $500. If they go two and one, betting a thousand dollar game at minus 110, they're walking away with $900 uh, for that, you know, week, day, whatever the case may be. If it's a hundred dollar better, they're walking away with $90. And so when I would say that, again, we've talked about this with Tom Jewell, right? M- people will move the line more than money, but money is a close second and really is the only second. And so when you're able to, you know, like people think that professionals live in the shadows and they're out here only betting, you know, 50000 60000 in the game and it's these syndicates and this and that. Look, I've never really talked about, you know, my relationships with groups, whatever the case may be. I'm going to be very frank with you. 95% of people in groups that I know that are, you know, very into this world, um, number one, they don't live in Vegas. They bet on accounts. Um, and I'm sure you guys have seen on social media people you know, specific people having, you know, access to these accounts and they get accounts and whatever the case may be. That's what with the, you know, with credit accounts and with social media and with the way that gambling has gone, um, credit and these accounts are so much more valuable than having runners in Vegas because you have one problem in when you do that. And that is no, the credit book not paying when you do well. That's pretty much your only problem. When you start going to Vegas, you have to deal with runners. You have to deal with being spotted. You have to deal with uh, people not taking that runner's bets. They have to deal with people not taking your bets or, or books, rather. Uh, and so that's just the way the professional, the professional world has kind of gone uh, in terms of what it means to be a quote-unquote group, quote-unquote syndicate, uh, You know, whatever the case may be. These different companies can sit here and tell you that they know where Sharp Money is, Uh based on what's being bet at the window and quote-unquote on screen, I promise you that when money wants to get down it's by these groups and people, it's done off-screen, and 90% of it is done on credit accounts that mirror offshore odds uh, on local books. And what I mean by local is what exactly it means. Bookies. Uh, And so... uh, there is a lot of validity and a lot of truth to what those companies and what those people are showing you on bet splits but it's for certain books and it's limited to those books so if those collections of books have five you know 70 percent of the money um that's going to be right but i'm telling you right now there's a whole nother i mean underworld is the wrong ter- term to kind of uh make this a sound a little bit stronger and, and than what it is. Uh, but most of the money is being bet um, on accounts and stuff like that. And so you're not going to see that. It's off screen. It's bet on locals through credit because they can do things uh, to get multiple bets down at one time. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of people that won't talk about it. But uh, again, this is kind of why I wanted to open this up to the mailback episode uh, and kind of where things are, you know, sit present day and everything like that. Um, so again, when you're in town and you want to you know look to do your stuff that way that's that's the bit that's the biggest thing that i've seen when it comes to the biggest changes and kind of the different differences when it comes to being a recreational better and a professional the next thing people want to talk about getting the best of the line number 1 if you're coming into a you're coming into vegas for the weekend right you want to bet let's call it 10 games this is going to you know turn some people off and, and upset some people getting the best of the number uh, really May not matter to you uh, when you're betting seven to eight games on a weekend and you're here once a year um, in, a, in a March Madness or an NFL or an NCAA weekend. Um, Probability-wise, it says it probably won't matter. Where that comes into play is when you're betting hundreds of positions, um, you know, thousands of positions over the long term. That is uh, where that comes in because that can cost you. You know, again, I hate to use the word units, but that will cost you you know, maybe 10 positions over a hundred. Um, and again, that's 10% of your ROI. And so if you're coming in, you're only betting five, you know, six, seven, eight, nine games, maybe it costs you one, uh-huh. not getting the best of the number, uh, but you're still going to make a profit. It, it's when you really commit to doing this long-term and you, that's when you can't sacrifice that that 10%, you know? um. So that's kind of where I stand on getting the best of the number. Um, The next question, because it it ties right into this, so I'm going to skip around a little bit and answer this one. It is when you talk, again, skip right into it. When you talk about getting the best of the number, you have been very adamant that getting the best of the number does not matter that much. Um, You've also said that power numbers, guys, are dying. Do you think that it is still the case? And how do you, why, when you, sorry, let me look at this DM. When you look at this, why would getting the best of the number not matter? This doesn't make sense to me. All right, so this is what I wanted to expand on because I I kind of broke into this question a little bit. As I touched on, it matters over the long-term sample size. And when I talked about um, power number handicappers and how um, I don't believe that that formula uh, works in the National Football League, this is what you have to understand. I'm talking about the National Football League specifically because people will tout it as the most efficient market uh, in the world and the numbers are so sharp. Again, just wrote this up on SGP for what we learned from week five. The spread has mattered 11, I believe, out of 72 games this year, um, with an average closing margin of victory of about 11 points. And so when you look at this, there's maybe one 10 to, you know, above 11 point uh, winner or spread each and every week. (sighs) Power number rankings guys are the same guys that bet the Browns the last two, three years. They bet the Jags the year before that. Um, And so you can argue that they're getting theirs back now. Again, look, Browns are undefeated against the spread. I get it. My point is, is for this market, for the last four years, when you don't adapt, you will perish. And what I mean by that is the power ranking numbers, guys, that uh, let's take this past Thursday night's game. I think it's a great example. Number one, it's a great example of people chasing steam. Anybody that you saw that was on Giants minus one um, was chasing steam because they saw that line at three and they saw that maybe a specific company tweeted out that the Sharps uh, have weighed in and this is where the professional money is. That's called steam chasing. That's chasing a line move. Professionals may have been on the side at three and a half and then laid a money line with philadelphia looking for a middle uh that those are things that just cannot be taken into account so when i talk about power number guys uh maybe being you know dying out it's the guys that say that sit there and say well i make this number um 4.2 and it's only two uh and so i have to take the dog um and when you look at this data and again this a lot of this goes to this this back to the spread not mattering look i get it you want to get the best of the number you want to trust your numbers But when you're consistently doing this and saying, oh, I liked it at six and a half, but not at seven, I have to go for the middle. It's just not the case in today's NFL. Look, a barista won the super contest two years ago. And again, I'm I'm not trying to sit here and bash anyone in, in their style of handicapping. My point is, is that you need to constantly be adapting. I wrote about at length how the Browns were in auto fade and the Patriots were breaking every single uh, rule. Well, this year is different than last year. And I think that, you know, the five, six, seven week mark is when you can largely throw out the 2017 version, start looking to the 2018 version. I know a lot of this applies to just the NFL, but I think it, it bears merit to just look at the landscape and, and realize that. Just because something got you to the dance doesn't mean that it's going to keep you there. And you have to really be able to look at that objectively uh, and start, you know, again, I've, I've said this so many times that professional gamblers are, are the most uh, ego-driven guys in the world. They'll lose four times to look smart on that fifth game back in the worst teams in the world. Um, and again, I again, I know this is the NFL and I'm going to get to these other markets. But that's what I mean by that. It's the guys that are the only thing they look at is the market and saying, "I liked it at two and a half, but once it crosses that three, uh, I can't do it." I mean, look, every professional in the world was on the Redskins. Oh, I love it at seven. Uh, I bought the seven and a half. I got the best of the number, and they got blown out by a hundred. Uh, that's that's the type of handicapper that I'm talking about. That maybe would look to uh, reevaluate a little bit about what they're doing when it comes to that. Look, market entry and getting the best of the number are a uh, you know an absolute must do uh, when it comes to long-term handicapping, but number one, uh, the NFL has shown that when a dog covers, they win outright. So if you don't believe that the underdog has a chance, um, the NFL has shown that the underdog is not likely to cover that. So when you think to yourself, this is too many points, um, again, either take it on the money line and and reduce your break-even point, or uh, conversely, um, it it just hasn't shown to be that market entry is everything. So those market guys and the power power ranking guys, um, again, I just think that they it's a little bit of the old guard, which see what I'm doing here. It's like, I have the questions in front of me brings us to the next question. What is the biggest differences from the new guard to the old guard of sports handicapping and what you have seen? I touched on a lot of it right there. The old guys are all the older guys of the older guard are all power driven, you know, power ranking guys, market entry guys. Uh, and the new wave, um, is the social media kind of, um, look, the general public's never been more informed. I said this time and time again, when you go to handicapping school, number one is fade the public. You know, in comes a company like Sports Insights and expands that into handicapping day one to able to give you a doctorate in that. And there's contrarian-based systems that Sports Insights offers. And you can literally build a betting model on fading the public if you want to follow Sports Insights. There are so many different ways to do this when you look at the differences uh, from what has been kind of the norm. You know, you always take double digits in the NFL. You always take a home divisional underdog. um, And again, Differences between the NCAA market and the NFL. This is specifically for the NFL, uh, that where I think a lot of this is is listener-driven because it's the biggest market in the world. And again, college football is completely different. The spread theory that I've kind of uh, built my NFL betting around does not apply. Points are so, so more important in college than they are in the NFL. Uh, again, that's why you see you know, spreads that are 30, 40, 50 you know, when it comes to Alabama and everything like that in the NFL. They still think that this is a parody driven league a little bit when it comes to odds makers, and that's the other thing, is that odds makers and bookmakers are so afraid to take a stance. If their numbers, and make no mistake, all of these odds that you're seeing, um, all of these everything is being outsourced. And what I mean by outsourced is they are given to, they get their numbers uh, from a an MIT guy, a company uh, that outsources them and spits them out the numbers and tells them what. The- on one million similarities by their computer model. Um, and so that's what they hang. So if an odds maker makes a game, eight, and the computer tells them to hang at five, maybe you're going to get a six, six and a half. And they just won't do it because they are so afraid to get middled. But again, you can only get middled at your own shop. So it's one of those things that's just Las Vegas, but making is a little bit uh, less forward thinking. And when I was talking with PropSwap about this, you know, the differences between Jersey to Vegas Jersey is so much more, you know, willing to, because PropSwap is coming up in the age where they're, you know, they're teaching gambling to everybody, right? PropSwap is going to be so, is going to be one of the most successful companies in the world. And I believe it's really going to have nothing to do with Las Vegas because the old guard is in Las Vegas and the companies that are in New Jersey and in Mississippi and Louisiana and all these states are learning from the ground up with PropSwap. And so it's going to be ingrained that PropSwap is a part of gambling Whereas Las Vegas, uh, maybe they stick to their guns a little bit and, you know, prop swap, Ferdinand doesn't know, had a hell of a time trying to get into these Las Vegas casinos. Um, I don't know if they really want me to tell you that, but that's okay. They, it was a, a struggle for them to be able to break into the old guard of casinos and bookmakers, uh, because it was a new thing. It was two guys that were uh, fresh out of college while these guys had 50, 60 years of bookmaking experience. And again, Vegas hates change. Uh, bookmakers hate change it is what it is and so i really firmly believe that prop swap is going to take off and it's going to be maybe their biggest markets are going to be outside of las vegas because with all these new ideas and concepts that are coming up with you know DraftKings online and all these books they're learning together so again uh, that kind of goes hand in hand with something that we've learned you know or a guest that's been on here with prop swap in the past and so i just think that the old guard is um it, how do I remember this? it's not misguided. It's just they're not very open to change. Uh, and I think it would benefit them to do so. Next question comes in is how do you calculate your, own, your bankroll size and how do you know if you're making too big of a bet? Um, as well as when you are strapped, is it a reasonable possibility to use parlays to try to increase your bankroll size uh, while you are strapped instead of making, say, a $25 bet using $25 parlays to increase your bet size to a six to one win on a three team parlay? Uh, well, yes and no. Um, I think that there's a huge stigma when it comes to parlays. Uh, I think that if day one is fade the public, day two is don't do parlays. I think parlays can be utilized. I think it's more of a, more of a two team money line situation. i mean, have never really placed more of a, more than a two team parlay. It's just one of those things that I know that the, when you're strapped, you don't have a bankroll. And so you sit here, you sit there and you say, all right, I have $500 to work with. Uh, how can I, you know, how can I do this? Uh, and how can I make actual money? Do I bet five hundred dollars on one and go from there. Do I, you know, put a hundred dollar, you know, three teamer in? I can't tell you exactly what to do with your money. The best people in the world at this can touch sixty percent in certain areas, and I think that that's important to know. And yeah, it takes money to win money and make money in this industry. There is no doubt about it. Uh, but with that being said, you're going to lose what little you do have uh, if you continue to do, you know, to make these exotic bets and these exotic parlays. Look, parlays are a bookmaker's best friend. And yeah, they're going to lose one, but they're going to win two hundred for every that they lose, and so it, it goes back and forth. I go back and forth to this because I do think that it deserves a little bit more talk and validity to when you are, you know, just starting out or you are strapped on a bankroll perspective and you're not able to maybe, um, you know, grinding out fifty seven percent on a five hundred dollar bankroll. Look, I get it. It's you know we all had to start somewhere. It, it's not that appealing to have a five hundred dollar bankroll at the beginning of the season and leave with a seven eight hundred dollar bankroll, right? Uh, but you know. You gotta get money elsewhere. That if you want to do this, the quote unquote right way, yeah. Anybody can gamble. Anybody can get lucky and hit a three teamer, four teamer, or five teamer. Uh, so again, it, it just depends on what you're looking for. Uh, and so I would I would caution against that, but I do see the why that would be appealing uh, to try to do that. What is the biggest thing you could talk about about how you how you Go about handicapping games personally. I find that the eye test is better than the power num- power ranking stuff that you have talked about. But at the end of the day, let's just ask it how do you handicap games and what is your secret to trying to find an edge in the NFL? <laughs> um, well, let's talk about how the sauce is made, right? It depends on the market and it depends on the sport. Um, as you guys know, I started in the DFS industry. I basically was doing NFL DFS exclusively uh and then when the NFL season was over uh I didn't really do much um I was always a huge baseball fan so I started doing MLB handicapping um again this was I started in the season long fantasy in high school stuff this was before DFS as I date myself a little bit I just transitioned so I started in the NFL DFS I started in fantasy in NFL fantasy moved that over to DFS and NFL started doing fantasy baseball transferred that over to um Player props in both and then spread in total in both. Um when those seasons ended, moved over to UFC as I as it stands now as kind of um wrapping up the portfolio of what I do. Um and so look, I think that trends are something. It's again when I go back to uh this is a market, right? Baseball is a completely different handicapping mindset than the NFL or the NCAA or the UFC. Those three sports you can kind of get in, get out, right? You can pick a good, you can get inside of a head of a fighter in UFC, lay down a ton of money because you think you have a huge edge, get out and make some money. Baseball is built around randomness and variance. That's the name of the game in baseball. That's what baseball, what makes baseball so great, right? Three team series, best team in the league and the worst team in the league. The worst team in the league is probably still going to win one. Uh, and so baseball has to be looked at with a long term lens. Uh, and that's what has led me to be so successful. It's probably one of my most, you know, the most profitable sport I do is baseball. I look at it as a stock market. I buy and sell pitchers. I eliminate as much, most variants as I can. Uh, and I bet these same bets over and over and over for 162 games. Every time specific pitchers pitch in specific markets, I won't get into the exact ones, but um, every single time that those things are are, you know, the boxes are checked. I will bet on them or bet against them for certain guys. And again, Oddshark is a tremendous resource. I really don't think you guys understand how good Oddshark uh, can be to you guys. Sports Insights, I have plugged at length. Uh, when you talk about fading the public, reverse line movement, those things are very real. Don't use any one tool as your only um, only lens to look through things. And when everything lines up, that's when you can maybe increase your bet size or, or whatever the case may be when all the the boxes are checked. And so there's so many different ways of a ways to do this but for me baseball you have to be able to bet over 162 game sample size of many different bets per day uh, and be able to look at it through the lens of a long-term outlook you have to be okay okay taking short-term losses uh days you know sometimes weeks at the end of the day if you get behind good pitchers and you know what markets to do and you back bad pitchers throughout the whole season uh you're going to come out ahead Uh, With the NCAA, Um, let's take a break from the NFL and talk about the NCAA for a little while. NCAA is completely different than the NFL because of one thing. It is system instead of players. It's a little bit uh, Patriots-esque. You know, when you look at recruiting in Alabama... Look, these things take work. People think you can look at, you know, a sports insights report, say eighty percent on this side, twenty percent on this side, fade the public. Let's go, win my bet, and yeah, you will win your bet sometimes doing that. People look at this and say this team outgains this team by, you know, hundred whatever, hundred yards. Uh, there are giving points. You know, their home field advantage is through the roof. It's at night. Let's bet this team. Yeah, those are all real ways to uh, win bets in the short term. When you talk about the long term, you have to be able to put in the work. And when I say the work, I mean recruiting systems how does one coach fare against another coach over a long sample size how does this coach is coming in uh you know what systems do they run? all this type of stuff again i want to tie this back into every single handicapper we've had on throughout the season you know jeff nadio coming on and talking about college basketball and small time you know SES, uh division two schools it's all about systems the the players are somewhat interchangeable uh and it's the same thing with ncaa football you know When you look at the drop-off from Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray, you look at Big 12s, uh, it's all about styles, how conferences play each other, how conferences play out of conference, the SEC style, when two SEC schools are going up. Eric Olsen talked about this when he was with a Big 10 school in Northwestern, going up against a Pac-12 school, uh, how that impacts each other and kind of what you can pull away from that. And again, there's so many different resource out, resources out there, you know, available to you guys to kind of you know break all that stuff down. And you have to find what works for you. There's not one specific answer on how to pick winners uh, in the NCAA. My thought process on the NFL. This one uh, may surprise some people. I, I'm a little bit of a hybrid when it comes to this. I believe that. Long-term trends, Um, you guys know I I firmly behind, you know, just to pick one out, uh, Matt Stafford, 6-66 versus teams that finish over five hundred. Well, if you backed that and and you think that, you know, he would have been 0-2 this year, uh, you know, betting against him with the Patriots and conceivably the Packers going over five hundred, although both those are, in theory, yet to be determined. When... Everything adds up. That's what makes it a bet for you. So situation, or for me rather, so situationally, this team is coming off a loss. This team is coming off a buy. They're at home. The team they're facing is coming off, um, you know, short rest, whatever the case may be, you have to look at situations and you have to, there again, um, you can run these inquiries. TeamRankings.com is a huge thing to be able to pull up and see, you know, yearly monthly three, four, five, six, ten 10 years back, how teams have fared in specific situations, So that that's kind of your trend portion, and then you have I, I, you know, me personally, I place a huge emphasis on current form. When I talk about current form, this is where I differ from the old, you know, the older crowd of of handicappers that will say, you know, a season is is not a big sample size. An NFL season is only sixteen weeks, which comes back to the Browns, right? So if they backed them last last year, they were two and fourteen. Well, now they're five and zero on the spread. So they're uh, what seven and sixteen. Still losing proposition, but you get the point, right? They're getting some of that ROI back consistently. You know, sticking with it over two years. I prefer to be able to adapt on the fly and see things, you know, as as what's in front of me. Um, and so, when a team maybe like the Giants or the Cardinals, I, you know, despite what current trends show you last year, that's the biggest thing when it comes to trends is being able to differentiate what was last year, what was the personnel, what was the coaching. Arians isn't there anymore. Is it a different team? Um, I mean, God. Carson Palmer's not there anymore, right? There's junior new quarterbacks. There's Bradford, there's Rose, and he's a rookie. Rookie's coming in, free agency. So there's so many things that changes, you know, year to year, certainly, but uh, month to month, week to week, and even day to day in the NFL. So you have to be able to put the, all those things together when you have a great situational spot with a great trend with, you know, current form. Uh, I think all those things kind of come into play. And again, I, I've talked about it. With the NFL, I've looked at every game as a pick up to a key number. I have a key number that I'm comfortable laying. uh, And if it's under that, um, I either take the dog on the money line or I uh, take the favorite to um, cover it. Because again, they're shown two games or less every week for the last two years, two plus years, almost three years um, has been the case. So basically two games per week, the spread will come into account. Um, So there's two games on that week, on that slate that will burn you. If You're only betting three or four games. It's a very low uh, probability that will come into play. That's kind of my my personal philosophy when it comes to the NFL, the NCAA, uh, and Major League Baseball. UFC is is completely different um, as kind of one of my core things that I bet. UFC is completely one on one. We've talked about this with the handicapping, right? One on one is eliminating variance is the greatest thing you can do because in sports it's built on randomness, especially baseball. So when you can eliminate, you know, eleven on eleven to nine on nine. 52 teams down to one-on-one in the prop market with the NFL or one-on-one in the UFC fight, there's just less things for you to worry about. And so I, I really believe that the, you know, that's why tennis guys have success. That's why UFC guys have success. Boxing guys, when you can, you know, prop guys, those are some of the sharpest people in the sharpest markets in the world. And that's why it's because they're eliminating success. It is so hard to handicap the national football league or the NCAA football. 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, special teams, reserves, God forbid there's an injury, something you didn't take into account. So how do you go about that? You have to eliminate variants and pick and choose your spots in specific markets uh, is what I really feel is the biggest advantage to, you know, kind of breaking down, breaking down, you know, teams and stuff into one-on-one and UFC is completely getting into a fighter's head, be it state of mind, be it path to victory submission uh whatever the case may be it, it, it's very close to boxing and i've done tons of ufc podcasts and stuff like that um but you can kind of get into that that's going to kind of wrap up the philosophy uh, portion as i grouped it in that was five questions um and so we're going to break this off into uh the next half of the podcast which is basically uh the nfl week upcoming and who to target in the futures market which is the last two questions before we do that as always guys the inside vegas podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. It's a promo code SGP100 for new subscribers and SGP50 if you need a reload bonus. also brought to you by Oddshark. Get tips and picks from the supercomputer as well as data-driven editorial content that you cannot and will not find anywhere else. Again, I touched on them, guys. I don't think you guys really realize until you dig in how useful Oddshark can be to you. Give them a follow on Twitter at Oddshark. Also, lastly, BetQL. BetQL is the only app you need to outsmart Vegas. Go to betql.co to download the app today. All right, guys. Last one. Last question on when it comes to the philosophy, and then we'll get into the NFL side of the Inside Vegas podcast, as I know you guys all want to get to the best bet. Last question when it comes to the philosophy side is, what is your take on tout handicappers and the stigma? If tout handicappers, including you, are so good, why do they sell picks and not just bet more on their bet selections? All right. This is something... I've kind of I've always kept these two worlds separate right um if you guys don't know I do I sell picks right I make my pick selections available uh, for purchase and so the number one question um, I get is if i'm if I, I'm so good at, at, at my picks why why do I sell on one and I just bet more on my own picks <clears throat> number one i'm gonna I'm gonna break this down I've, I've had guys on this podcast I've had groups on this podcast that sell picks guys that are free the difference between good handicappers you know quote-unquote tout handicappers who sell their picks and ones that are bad um the and I've only had this type of handicapper on if you guys have noticed is that they, they sell their own picks there is a huge difference between creating a card and not betting it yourself and giving it up to your quote-unquote clients uh, and being done with it and taking the money and not really caring I'm here to tell you right now, information is the new currency in Las Vegas. I know guys that you know specialize in one area. So you know even with me and people I know, trade information. I give them my MLB, my UFC. I get their hockey. I get their NBA because I don't cap those markets. When it comes to the general public um, and people buying uh, picks, I can only speak to myself. I'm here to tell you right now, most of the tout industry is not good. And I hate to pigeonhole and put everyone in a vacuum like that because there are some very good ones out there. And so what I can tell you is, number one, this is my philosophy on why I do it, and I guess that's really all I can speak to. Um, But I would say that people I know and people I've had on this podcast, Daniel Levy of bestfightpicks.com and all the other guys I know out there that sell picks, the difference is, is they're selling you what they're actually betting. And when it comes to this, well, why can't they do that for free? The counter argument that maybe you don't want to hear is, we're putting, we do this professionally, we do this full time. There are a lot of tout handicappers out there that work a nine to five job. They work at Hertz Rent-A-Car. They go out there, they do their job. They handicap on their breaks, their lunch breaks when they get home. They don't bet it. They Maybe they they got a little hot. They whatever, got a little Twitter notoriety, uh, and they're looking to capitalize and sell those picks. If somebody is doing this full time, win or lose, they're putting in... 20 30 40 hours of work when it comes to handicapping games to scratch and to claw to hit 56 57 58 god forbid 59, 60% that they that is the ultimate goal right and so when somebody comes and says why isn't this for free if you're so good why don't you do that so tell me this if somebody puts in 50 60 40 50 60 hours of labor uh and you want to reap the benefits of those um plays and again Professionals lose. I lose. I have bad weeks. Newsflash, guys. Every professional I know out there has bad days, has bad weeks. They're going to lose. They're not going to hit 100% a week. And again, I don't mean 100% you know, lose games. They're going to lose weeks. They're going to lose days, lose months. These things happen in gambling, um, in handicapping sports, much like stockbrokers have down weeks, have down days, day traders. Whatever the case may be, it's a, it's a realistic thing in this game that you need to realize it, it comes with it. And so when you ask somebody to do this, put all this work in 30, 40, 50 hours researching, handicapping, breaking down scheduling, getting, you know, this information that the rest of the world isn't privy to, and you want those plays for free, um, you know, at the end of the day, how does that, you know, how do you feel about that? Is that really, that's what you think is fair? Is somebody to do this 20, 30, 40, 50 hours a week, put in blood, sweat, tears, Again, sports gambling, handicapping is one of the loneliest gigs out there. People think everyone out there is, uh, well, let's just say it, the Vegas Daves, the Dan of the world. It's not like that. And so when people sell picks, they're doing it because they feel they should be compensated for their hard work and time. Um, I agree with them. And that's the reason that I do it. And that's the reason I know that the good people do it. There is a very real side uh, that the other side of that is what I talked about at the beginning. And so I can only speak to myself and kind of why I do it. Um, but that's that there. Um, so let's, let's, let's turn the page, maybe something a little, a little less depressing or all that, that would kind of felt a little, uh, a little something. Um, so the NFL week six, let's, let's do a quick rehab week. Five Patriots are back, uh, 38, 24 over the Colts. Buffalo showing up in a spot where everyone counts them out as Buffalo is known to do. And this is something I wrote up on the, the What We Learned article. Contrarian dogs are having a great NFL season. Um, as we'll see with our, our best bet, I think that there's there's some value in an underdog here. Giants, Carolina, one of the two games that the spread mattered. Giants obviously covering the seven, probably should have won out, right? But the Giants are gonna, the Giants are gonna giant. Miami, heartbreaking fashion if you had Miami plus six, losing to Cincinnati twenty-seven seventeen. Cleveland, God bless them, undefeated against the spread. I think they lost one depending on, on the way the number closed there. Twelve nine in overtime. Does anybody play more quarters and more overtime games than Cleveland? <laughs> Detroit, thirty-one twenty-three over Green Bay. Got a feel for Aaron Rodgers there. Kansas City Mahomes is passing every single test in front of him, dropping 30 uh, on the Jaguars defense is, is absolutely insane. Jets showing up in a contrarian home underdog role, 34 16 over Denver. Pittsburgh, I mean, uh, couldn't set this total high enough. Um, again, I guess this one kind of depends on where you got it, too, but 41 17 in a desperate team. And again, a desperate uh, situation. Desperate teams are very, very dangerous here. Oakland, Chargers, um, this one's pretty, pretty cut and dry here. John Gooden looks lost. Minnesota, another underdog winning out right against Philadelphia, 23 21 and Eagles. I know they just came off a, a I mean, a trouncing of the Giants, but I think it's more of an indictment of the Giants. Arizona, 28-18, and the Rams not covering as the second game in the spread mattering, 33-31, Seattle covering the seven, and Houston, 19-13, I guess a push on the minus three there as well, and then Monday Night Football. Every professional in the world that I knew was on the Washington Redskins, blown out of the building, 43-19 as Drew Brees passed the passing record. So... Let's move on over as we go to NFL Week 6. Again, touched on it. Philadelphia Eagles. Sean will be happy. 34-13 over the Giants. Look, Giants are... There was not a better spot. And again, I touched on this. If anyone gave you know your chasing steam, if you were on the Giants at minus one, um, you have to kind of be honest with yourself and and see if if you did that or if you took that or whatever the case may be there. Um, But let's break some of these games down. And we're going to do it through my lens. Um, I guess we really haven't done that strictly through my lens of of kind of how I handicap games. Uh, So let's do uh, do two games and in NFL best bet. So let's start with uh, Washington, Carolina. I think this game is is a good one to kind of talk about. Washington, 2-2, and Carolina, 3-1. and Look, Carolina, at the end of the day, they got a W, right? Obviously didn't cover, and I know that's what we care about in the land of minus 110 and covering spreads. Carolina really should have... I mean, look, a tale of two halves, right? Carolina blew them out in the first half um, and come back to Giants. Carolina, off a bye, was at home, was in a great spot to at least win the game. Look, Alex Smith wins games, and I think that off a loss, Washington being at home, um, I know it's an early kick, so home field advantage, not a ton there. Um, but to me, I think that the spread is actually a little bit reversed. And again, I want to talk this completely through because I, you guys have heard me say time and time again, the spread doesn't matter. When we talk about one... Washington, actually, I'm sorry, Washington is a minus one favorite now. It's kind of flip-flops. It's gone back between the one through the zero on both teams. Carolina opened up about minus one. I like Washington in this spot. When we look at this, things even out, right? So when we look at this. The question that I always ask myself, uh, pretty much first and foremost, after we talk about kind of the, the I handicap every game is a spread, cover up the number when I look at this, and kind of that's how I do it. What's more likely, Carolina to go to four and one as Washington goes to two and three? maybe. Or what's more likely, Carolina to fall to three and two as Washington goes to three and two as well. That to me is the much more likely outcome. Look, Redskins got humbled. And when the rest of the world jumps off somebody, as I just touched on, anyone that you know, follows specific uh, companies or whatever the case may be, every professional in the world uh, was on Washington. And as such, I would think that a lot of the general public tailed those bets. As I said, general public never been more informed. Carolina... I mean, they got it done in the line Parlay variety, which is always a plus uh, when it comes to the general public. So to me, I look at Washington here as a team that looked awful. Carolina coming off a win, Washington coming off a loss on national TV uh, as a short favorite. And again, I make that about a three uh, for my personal key number uh, that I go through. So um, I think that Washington provides a lot of value. Second one, I want to go, we're going to go straight to the consensus best bet to wrap up this podcast here. can only hear myself talk for so long. Consensus, or I guess it's not even consensus best bet, but the Inside Vegas podcast, the best bet of the week. We are going to go to Indianapolis on the money line at plus 130. Why am I going to the money line? Because I told you the spreads don't matter and they really don't matter under three. Look, everyone just saw the Jets win against Denver in an awful spot. And I'm here to tell you, I was on the Jets last week. Uh, That was a perfect situationally spot for, for the Jets. Jets at two and three, Indianapolis. So let's start with the first question. Um, you know who is going to win this game? Is or let's start with the first question. What's more likely to happen: the Jets go to three and three while Indianapolis goes to one and five, or Indianapolis goes to two and four while the Jets go to two and four as well? Um, to me, it's the latter. Number one, I think that the wrong team is favored here. This is all recency bias because everyone just got burned because the general public all laid it with Denver, uh, and they just saw the fact that Darnold has a win over Detroit in his first start at home. I'm sorry, on the road. As the youngest quarterback ever started so my night football on the road. Uh, and one endeavor. Um, and so when you look at this, look, Andrew Luck is there's certain quarterbacks that could win the MVP every year. Aaron Rodgers first and foremost, Russell Wilson's another one, uh, Andrew Luck is another one. His teams just don't fall this far behind. Um, they're not gonna fall the one and five. And so me to me, when you look at this, right? Indianapolis, awful loss, uh national TV. Not covering is 10 point uh, dogs, which everyone will tell you, you're supposed to always take 10 points and the Jets uh, coming off, you know, looking great as a, you know, receiving 20% of the bets, whatever the case may be. This is a classic zigzag. You're buying low and selling high. Because of this, you're getting the spread on the opposite side. You're getting some plus money. So... This we're going to go to Indianapolis on the money line. If you if you if you're not feeling that frisky, go ahead and take the plus two and a half. Buy it up to three if you really want. Um, but I'm going Indianapolis money line plus one thirty, and that will do it for the it's High Vegas podcast this week. Again, guys, I hope you guys kind of enjoyed the the you look into kind of my world of professional gambling. Um, and I hope I answered as many of the mailbag questions as I got, as I could, um, with the time allowed again, next week we will have Berry horse on, give him a follow out on Twitter at Berry horse is probably one of, um, the fastest risers when it comes to, he started out in MLB with his model that was lights out, um, underdogs, you know, hitting at a ridiculous clip. Um, Probably one of the biggest raise, raise uh, rise to fame. I guess is the word I was looking for, to prominence when it comes to social media in a very long time. Up over, I think it's 11, 12,000 followers now. I'm um, doing some incredible stuff in the space on every podcast imaginable. So, um, he's hosting a, I believe, a, like a panel convention in Vegas upcoming soon. Um, absolutely killing it in the NFL and NCAA season so super excited to talk to him next week I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Inside Vegas podcast and hopefully um, I will uh, we will get to the window with Indianapolis Um, so again guys please rate, subscribe and review on iTunes we will talk next week